Do you like jazz? Do you like soul searching? Do you like existentialism and metaphysics wrapped up in a delightful animated adventure? If so, then maybe, just maybe, you might like the 2020 animated Pixar film, Soul. I'm Aaron Potter. And I'm Andy Potter. And you're listening to AP Approved. It's Teary Time. Welcome once again to our podcast, AP Approved, and thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah, welcome everybody. Uh, This is going to be our second episode. Last week we talked about, or last episode we talked about, uh, the movie Cats, which came out about a year ago. And for our second episode here, we're jumping into something much more recent. Uh, We're talking about the movie that just came out this Christmas, uh, the new Pixar movie, Soul. So this is your one and only spoiler warning. If you do not want to know plot details about this movie before you watch it, then we encourage you to go and watch it on Disney+. Plus, Even just right now, if you want to, it's that good. So go watch it and then come back and listen to us. Yeah, we'll wait. We've, we got all the time in the world here on your phone, so we'll, <laughs> we'll be here when you get back. We will. So the movie is about a uh, middle school band teacher and jazz musician named Joe Gardner voiced by Jamie Foxx, uh, who just loves, loves, loves jazz music, and he's been trying to be a real musician and not just a middle school band teacher for a long time, and just nothing's ever worked out with that. And then he finally gets the chance to uh, audition with a big jazz singer, Dorothea Williams, and he gets the gig, and he's so excited, and his whole life's going to change, and he falls down a manhole cover on his way home and dies. The end. No, not really, of course. It's still just the beginning of the movie. And then what happens is he gets sent to the great beyond, to the afterlife, or is on his way there. His soul is being sent there, but he's not ready to die yet. So his soul runs away, falls through some kind of existential, bizarre, abstract void. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just go check it out for that scene, at least. Uh, it's so trippy and fun. And then he ends up in a place called the great before, which is where souls are before they are born. And he gets mistaken for a soul mentor. Uh, for someone who mentors young souls before they go to Earth, and he gets stuck with a soul named 22, voiced by Tina Fey, who has had many, many millions of mentors and uh, just drives them all crazy and never actually ends up going to Earth. She doesn't want to go live. She's afraid of being born, so she's just kind of hanging out here. And it follows the adventures as Joe tries to get back to Earth uh, with 22's sort of unwilling help. So that's a little bit of what the movie's about. Andy... We both really liked this movie, I think, yeah? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, should we hear what uh, Rotten Tomatoes has to say about it? We talked about that last week. Sure. So Rotten Tomatoes, much much bigger fans of it than uh, they were of Cats. <laughs> uh, Soul has a 96% r- critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's actually got a slightly lower audience rating, 89%, which sort of surprises me. Maybe it's a little too weird for some people. And this is what their critical consensus is. A film as beautiful to contemplate as it is to behold, Soul proves Pixar's power to deliver outstanding all-ages entertainment remains undimmed. I think that about kind of sums up the movie and also 
tells you a lot about Pixar. Like, you know, what's not to like about this movie and and whoever thought that we wouldn't like this movie because it is a Pixar film and Pixar has just been pretty much cranking out hits ever since 25 years ago when they came out with Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're big Pixar fans. We love just about all of them. Not Not all of them. There's a few sequels that you know maybe aren't the best yeah looking at you cars although interestingly so cars 2 is not a very good movie cars 1 is great you know it's not one of the best pixar movies but it's great um cars 2 probably one of the worst cars 3 though i think has some interesting connections to this particular movie which i'll come back to later after we talk about some of the things we like okay sounds good but yeah, so it's Pixar. It's great. They're always funny and heartwarming and maybe even just a little bit more than heartwarming. They usually teach us something about life and the human existence. And uh, yeah, just an all around good time. I think we've sort of concluded that, you know, there's sort of a, a judgment sometimes that animated movies are for kids. And I think here in uh, this century, we've discovered that that is not at all the case. Um, some of them are, but specifically Pixar films are really for everyone. Like kids can enjoy them, but adults will also enjoy the, uh, hours they have to spend in the theater with their kids watching these movies. And, um, there's a lot of, a lot of depth and a lot of great stuff for kids and adults alike. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true of just about every Pixar movie and certainly true of this one. I think what we've said is that Pixar movies are really better not call them kids movies, but rather family movies is really the best way to think about it. And I've heard a couple people say this, and I agree with Soul in particular. Um, you might think Pixar movies, of, th- of Pixar movies as being kids' movies that are also really accessible and great for adults. This one might just be, Soul might just be an adult movie that's accessible and enjoyable for kids. That's how, like, deep it is. I mean, we are talking about existentialism and metaphysics here. Yeah. And we were not kidding about that. No, not at all. <laughs> it's a joke, but it's also true. Yeah. So, uh... You can just get us started, Andy. What did you like about this movie? Because it is so good. I think I should start out by mentioning that we really loved the um, the diverse choices in this movie, um, specifically with the characters. Um, all the almost all of the characters are African Americans who live in New York City and are just really deeply embedded in the culture. Um, there's a the barbershop scene, and there's a his, Joe's mom is a tailor and there's a lot of jazz woven in and there's and there's just there's a lot of that great deep cultural representation and that didn't have to be there for the story to be as good as it is um, but it's really wonderful to see and we really want more of that kind of thing in movies exactly something you and I have talked about before is that you know of course it's great to have a movie um, that talks about the African-American experience and is specifically about black experience or something like that, something like Black Panther, um, is great. Really, really good, really, really worthwhile. But it's even better in some ways to have movies that didn't have to be about black characters. That could have been, You could have had a white character playing Joe, and the story would have been largely the same except in some of the flavoring of it, really. Um, and it could have been just as good. Um, but they chose to have Jamie Foxx voice the main character. They chose to make most of the main characters black. And... That's the first time a Pixar movie's done that. Uh, yes. Disney uh, has not done it many times. Soul is the first Pixar movie to star an African-American character, which I think cannot be overlooked. Mm-hmm. 
and in a world in which our default tends to be in a story where it doesn't make a difference cast a white man the fact that they didn't do that is really great and makes a big difference joe also embodies uh, another trend i think we've seen in a lot of pixar movies is that uh, they often cast sort of older and broken down characters as well mm-hmm. like in up finding nemo incredibles amazing classic um mm-hmm. and yeah it's, it's about those characters finding their way and it's not they're not usually or always about young characters just mm-hmm. trying to like make their way in the world for the first time mm-hmm. which tends to be the trend with a lot of movies especially animated movies especially disney movies it's about like a young kid coming up but yeah pixar is more about someone who's had a few knocks in life and in this case is like at the literal end of his life almost like he's meant to have died in this movie he's meant to have lived a life in which he didn't achieve what he worked so hard to achieve and then he dies Mm-hmm. And it's pretty dark. It is. And that's why he fights so hard not to die, because he just refuses to to let go on the cusp of his big breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Joe is just one of a lot of interesting characters in this movie, though. Um, the, the soul that he's paired up with, 22, is so funny. Uh, voiced by Tina Fey, which it's hard to go wrong there. Mm-hmm. So uh, 22 is, is just... Um, silly and fun and sort of like what you imagine a a toddler might be like um but a toddler who's had like millions of years to like totally outsmart all kinds of genius people and who has tried every uh entertainment or skill or everything in the book so and we you know part of the premise of the movie is that she's 22 which means she's one of like the earliest souls she's been there nearly all of human history and she's had all these mentors mother Teresa and abraham lincoln and galileo and uh, Muhammad Ali and all these people, um, and none of them were able to inspire her or convince her to be ready to live. Um, and in the end, with Joe's help, she does do that. And what we were kind of saying is, well, he's a middle school teacher, of course. He knows how to put up with obnoxious little smart mouths, right? Yep. In the end, he turned out to be the perfect person to, mm-hmm. to help her find that. And the thing that she's trying to find, of course, if you've seen the movie, is uh, what they call a spark. And that is also a really interesting concept and... Um, most souls find it in the the great before by uh, going to the hall of everything and just trying lots of different interesting things that exist on earth and many of them find their spark by uh, shooting a basketball or uh, baking cookies or something interesting like that but uh, 22 is having none of that and is just deeply uninterested in anything earth related Mm -hmm. and joe comes to the conclusion sort of and this is really well done, I think. They just start talking about it, and you don't realize they've changed words, kind of. He assumes that what your spark is is like your purpose in life. And he assumes that his spark is to play piano, and that jazz is his thing, and that's his purpose in life, and that's what gives his life meaning. And he thinks we have to find 22's purpose in life. And there's a couple of times where she's like, maybe that could be my spark. And he's like, nah, that's just like a thing you do. That's not like something your life can be about. And what's so great is at the end... The revelation is that the spark is not your purpose in life. In fact, as far as the movie is concerned, nobody has a particular purpose in life. Uh, You just go and you live life and try and make it meaningful and try and love it. And it's really a movie all about loving life. And I just loved that part of it, especially at the end where um, Joe is talking to one of the mystical soul counselors in the great before. Named, Named Jerry. Yeah. Named Jerry. They're all named Jerry. Uh, except for one, that's Terry. It's Terry, Terry time. 
so we'll say a little bit more about them, I'm sure. But he's talking to one of the Jerry's and says, like, she, what was her purpose? And he's like, purpose? Oh, you mean the spark? Oh, that's not your purpose in life. You mentors and your purposes. So and your, basic. Your silly ideas. I don't know where you get them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just love that. It's like so many of us are so consumed with the idea we have a purpose in life that we have to find that we cut, make, make ourselves miserable um, trying to find it. And the reality that this movie points out, and I think is true, is that life's not that simple. Um, and it's also, hearteningly, not that easy to mess up, I guess. Like, there's <laughs> there's so many options. Like, they talked to his friend, the barber, who says, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And at first, they felt kind of bad for him because he didn't become a veterinarian and he ended up cutting hair. But he says he's not sorry at all. He loves cutting hair and he loves the community and the barbershop. And he doesn't regret it. So maybe he thought his purpose was to be a vet, but turns out didn't have a purpose like that he just had to find something else that filled his life with joy and he found it and he's very happy so I just love that yeah me too definitely I think um it's interesting that conversation with the Jerry's um reminds me that uh this this world it's weird okay like we all know like when we watch it you'll if you watch it you'll see uh it's a it's just sort of a whole new metaphysical theory of how people come to be and not really a lot of mention of where they go after the, mm-hmm. the it's very the, abstract the afterlife is just uh it's a there's a stairway into a great light and you don't really know what happens after that but uh, it's not really a stairway it's more like a conveyor belt yeah it's a conveyor belt and what i love is it kind of looks like the frets on a guitar kind of oh, fits yeah. in with the whole like jazz mm-hmm. theme that's true that's true so, yeah, it's just a conveyor belt up into the afterlife, and, and a lot of people are really consumed with what happens in the afterlife, but maybe not as much as what happens in the great before, uh, which is what they call this in the movie. And and obviously this world is set up in a way that's very different from the way that we, uh, who are Christians, believe that the world mm-hmm. exists. Um, but I think it's so fascinating, and it has a lot to teach us uh, just the same. It teaches us that... Uh, the world is complicated, mm-hmm. and uh, it's definitely usually a lot bigger and wider and crazier than we might believe. And we humans get kind of funny ideas about how the world works, but we really don't know anything in some cases. Like the mentors in the movie were just so basic. So basic. And we don't know what we're talking about <laughs> and where we got some of these silly ideas from that we think are so important. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, you know, God would say those are just kind of silly ideas, guys. Like... Pay attention to what matters more. Yeah, so I just imagine, you know, God looking down at all our strivings for success and fame and and even just uh, finding a meaningful life. And, and you know, maybe he is looking down and saying, like, you, you don't really need to work that hard to find meaning and fulfillment. You know, you really don't need to, you silly humans. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's the great scene with the one um, stockbroker's soul that's, oh, yeah. like, lost. And then he gets wakened up from being a lost soul and he's like what am i doing and he like trashes his old desk and runs about like shouting free yourselves <laughs> that is another fun aspect of the movie which is uh, another character they meet voiced by graham norton yes so by the way if you don't know who graham norton is do yourself a favor google the graham norton show He's hysterical. He's, so he's like funny. the funniest thing I've ever discovered on the internet. He's, he's a British talk talk show host, and so he's just hilarious. And we love British things, obviously. And he's really funny. So mm-hmm. very sassy, sarcastic. He always has like multiple celebrities on at a time, so it's really fun conversations they get mm-hmm. into. 
So this was a good choice because his character is pretty eccentric. His name is Moonwind. Mm -hmm. And he kind of just like uh, gallivants through the soul world, the great great before, um, through uh, sort of a mysticism. Yeah, he's a mystic. Mm -hmm. He's a mystic and he has three other mystic friends. Um, they gave their sums funny names. He, he's called Moonwind Dream Chaser and his other friends are like Moon Moon Dream crosser and one is like dreamer dreamer moon wind or something like yeah. that. yeah <laughs> and so they're all they're all mystics and they all sail through uh this um plane in the soul world and there's on all their these... psychedelic pirate <laughs> yacht yes yes it's hysterical yes it's very funny and um, when joe and 22 come upon these people um 22 already knows them very well because 22 spends all of time there and has been there for a long time and it's just so funny and so uh yeah that place is interesting because it's like where people go and they're just so invested in something that they're doing like playing music or um, playing a sport or just they're just in the zone is what they call it right and the movie does a good job of setting that up because even before we get to the soul world joe talks to his students about playing jazz and being in the zone and he feels like he goes to a whole nother place. And he totally thinks that's just a metaphor, but it's planting the seed for later on when you realize, no, you actually have gone into the soul dimension mm -hmm. when you're in the zone. You've kind of transported yourself away. And that's a beautiful thing. And he kind of thinks that's kind of like the ultimate state of being to like be on the stage playing piano, go into the zone. Sort of a little nirvana. On yeah. Earth. Um, but then there are also lost souls who have gotten so deeply entrenched in whatever they were focused on doing that they've forgotten everything else about life. And in the soul world, they're depicted as sort of monsters that just roam the roam the plane. And uh, Moonwind and his band of pirates um, find them and lasso them and use their mystic powers to release the lost soul. Um, which is a, a great service, really. Mm -hmm. They call themselves Mystics Without Borders, which is just hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting because they talk about how basically the zone is only a few steps away from this, like, obsessive lost soul state. And just the idea that, like, we all want to be, like, passionate and happy and, like, doing something we love doing. But it's only a little beyond that that we sink into obsession and we stop living life and paying attention to life. Um, and we totally lose ourselves. And I think what's so interesting is that Joe starts off us thinking he's just this passionate guy who wants what he wants and is going to do anything to get what he wants. So much like we see characters in so many movies, so many movies about the person who wants to play basketball or wants to be a singer or wants to be whatever, uh, and they want it so bad and they're going to fight for it, and in the end they get it. And that's a great story. Um, and Joe's just like that, but I think the movie is telling us that Joe's actually on the path to losing himself. Because he's sort of not paying attention to life. And I think that's mm -hmm. the ultimate message is like, your passions are wonderful and beautiful and good, but don't get so consumed and obsessed with them that you forget to live life. And that's the really good thing here is enjoy life, enjoy all the little things, enjoy the people around you, pay attention to the world around you, because that's what makes life beautiful, not some singular purpose or passion. Because if you get too focused on that singular purpose or passion, you actually lose yourself. Like that obsession is destructive to your actual joy and happiness. And I think that's really good because that's a message that's not out there in the world very much. Mm -hmm. It's not talked about a lot, but I 
I have to believe that the experience Joe has at the end when he, he does finally get to go back and play with Dorothea Williams and do everything he wanted to do and live his dream. And then at the end, after he does that, he doesn't feel that like rush of fulfillment, like mm -hmm. everything in his life has fallen into place like he expected to. And I have to believe that lots of people feel that way because I have felt that way mm -hmm. uh, in the past. And, you know, ever since college, I think. I've uh, sort of been on sort of soul journey like that, where I thought uh, for most of my life that life was about finding one thing to do for the rest of your life and come to find out um, that's kind of poppycock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> poppycock, balderdash, I say. Uh, and so it's really encouraging to me to see stories like this, whether in real life or in delightful animated movies. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... Yeah, Joe feels kind of empty. He gets everything he ever wanted, and it does not make him happy. And I think that's how most of us are, right? We live, especially, I think, in the United States, in the West, in the modern, prosperous world most of us live in, you know, pursuit of happiness deeply drilled into us. But happiness is a good thing, but I don't think happiness should be the end-all and be-all, or at least not a happiness that we think, the, the particular happiness we think we have. It's actually living in the world and experiencing what happens, paying attention to all the things outside of us, paying attention to the people around us. And that's where Joe actually becomes kind of nasty a little bit in this movie. Like he stops paying attention to 22 and what's best for 22 and what she needs and starts kind of being so focused on, I just mm -hmm. need to get back for my jazz recital. Mm -hmm. Like, and he becomes a little bit mean there. And this is what causes 22 to spoilers end up becoming a lost soul temporarily. And it's only when Joe realizes that he's misunderstood her and mistreated her and needs to, and has to ultimately be willing to give up his life, his chance at life again, his chance at playing jazz again, give up all these things he wanted, sacrifice himself for 22. Um, and it's when he does that self-sacrificing thing, gives up on his dream, which he's been pursuing this whole time, basically, that he's able to save 22 and the happy ending is able to come about. But that wouldn't have been possible if he'd relentlessly pursued his dream like he'd had been doing the whole time. And ultimately, I don't think that would have made him happy. And he realizes mm -hmm. that, too. There's an emptiness inside. And I think all of us have things we think will make us happy. You know, you think about, like, the soulmate, mm -hmm. um, which you and I have talked about before, this idea that, like, you've got to find your soulmate and then everything will be perfect. And I think that's a big reason why there's so many divorces and stuff these days, because people think they're going to be automatically fulfilled and they're not. And it's more complicated than that. It's harder than that. And they just have to get rid of the spouse they have and go find someone new. Mm -hmm. Or the same thing with jobs. Like, they just can't be happy. Not that you can, can't have many jobs. But, uh, you know, they're depressed because they can't find the job that fulfills them. And maybe no nothing will perfectly fulfill you. Mm -hmm. right? Again, we're Christians. We believe that nothing on this earth will ever fulfill us, really. What we need is God. Mm -hmm. And there's the empty, the hole in our heart, the God-shaped hole in our heart that we will only be fulfilled when we are reunited with God in heaven. And that's not going to be fulfilled by anything, no matter how good on this earth. And uh, like we said, in the end, uh, Joe does help 22 find her spark, albeit in a real roundabout way. And he doesn't really mean to do it, but uh, through their journey together, she does find her spark. She does um, fill out her badge, which means that she's ready to live. And that's really what the spark is, I think. Um, it's a really big, good re revelation in the end there that your spark is not your purpose. It's it's the thing that makes you want to live, mm -hmm. um, which I think many of us have found in the past. And, you know, it 
it's really wonderful. It's one of the beautiful things about um, living on this earth, but it's not the be all and end all, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that way, 22 was helped by Joe. um, But uh, because of what we've all just said, 22 really helped Joe Mm -hmm. even more. Absolutely. Uh, It helped him value his life and um, helped him gain a new perspective. And uh, that's really wonderful part of the story. Absolutely. There's a lot of emotional beauty there. There's also a lot of just plain beauty there. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about the art a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 you know, always love the art in Pixar movies. It's mm-hmm. always beautiful. And it's getting more and more detailed and elaborate with each movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gorgeous here. I love the like trippy, weird animation of the great before. And the Jerry's and Terry, Terry's the soul counter, are these like abstract flat Picasso paintings made out of like mm-hmm. white lines of light. And they like shift and morph all the time. And they're just these bizarre things that talk with British or New Zealand accents. <laughs> it's delightful. It's so great. And the souls are the pre-human uh, creatures are just like cute little balls of blue puff. Mm-hmm. Little luminescent bluish greenish little critters. Mm-hmm. Um, and just uh, everything too, like the music, all the jazz that's in there is so beautiful. I think, uh, I think we're discovering that jazz is just so good that loving jazz makes a good movie, right? Uh, La La Land <laughs> La La being La La another Land. great example, right? That's another great movie that's deeply influenced by just a love of jazz. Um, but just all the little details in here, especially the scene where, so, uh, a big part of the story is that with the help of the mystic Moonwind and his friends, Joe and 22 get back to Earth, but it doesn't go right. And 22 ends up in Joe's body and Joe's bo- Joe's soul ends up in a cat. Which is, of course, hilarious. Uh-huh. And it adds all sorts of bizarre, absurd situations. But then they go around New York and all kinds of stuff happens. Uh, and then there's just lovely little moments like when she eats pizza for the first time or when she hears someone playing music on the subway or my favorite is when she's sitting on a stoop and the little um, maple tree helicopter seeds mm-hmm. are twirling down and the light's shining on them and they're like glowing. And I think my theory would be that that's the moment where she really gets her spark. Yeah. It's, I think, a combination of all the things they did before that too. But I think that's the kind of moment where it really clicks and she's really ready to um, to be born. Um, but it's just such a gorgeous moment with those helicopters and the light there. It's just beautiful. It's really all in all a good movie about how beautiful life is mm-hmm. i think that's the message and so if you're feeling like you uh you know it's been a hard time to- a hard time for a long time for a lot of us and if you're feeling like um this earth is is no fun <laughs> anymore and... which is what 22 thinks at the beginning that's yeah. why she doesn't want to be born because life is hard life is terrible that's, yeah um it's a good movie it's a good reminder that there are a lot of beautiful things about this life if you just look for them and really, yeah, the perfect, I had thought about that perfect movie for the end of 2020, probably. Yeah, really, we all needed this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, I, one thing I, it's kind of obvious, but it's fun too. The name of the movie, Soul, uh, is of course about the fact that they're souls. That's the main thing. But it's also like soul music, like jazz, mm-hmm. you know, like yep. falls in with that too. So it's just yeah, a good name. Clever with their titles. Yeah. Pixar titles are always good. Mm-hmm. Well, we cannot finish this review without talking about terry yes <laughs> so now truly dear friends it is terry time it's terry time <laughs> so terry is the abacus attendant the accountant of souls 
who counts the, every soul going into the great beyond to make sure everything's nice and orderly. Mm-hmm. And when the count's off, Terry is very unhappy. I don't know, as someone who's a little bit of a neat freak and detail-oriented, I can sort of, I feel for Terry, you know? <laughs> like her whole existence is tied up in making sure this is perfect, and now it's screwed up, and she's not going to rest until she fixes it. Right. And so obviously when Joe runs away from the conveyor belt and, and falls into the great before, the count's off. The count's off. And Terry notices. Where are you, little soul? <laughs> and she's got this great, great, great New Zealand accent, which is just lovely. So every single line is fun to listen yep, to. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just hysterical. And it's also funny how, like, the other soul beings, the other counselors, the Jerry's. So there's all the Jerry's and then there's just one Terry. And all the Jerry's are, like, not really very concerned about this. It's just like, it's fine. It's chill, man. Everything's chill. There's and no Terry's like, no, there's a problem and I'm going to fix it. And they're yeah. like, that's fine, Terry. Go and do your thing. You go do that. <laughs> and then like she solves the problem when she brings 22 and and uh, Joe back into the soul, into the great before. And they like give her a trophy and they're like, we're giving Terry this trophy for all her great work because she asked us to give it to her. Yes. Thank you for this trophy, which I requested. <laughs> It's just so funny. <laughs> it's so great. And she says that a couple times. It's Terry time. It's Terry time. And that's just like ever since we watched the movie, we've just been <laughs> saying that all the time because it's so fun. So, you know, count how many times we've said that just in this episode and uh, I don't know, maybe win a prize or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> win a free experience in a cat's body. <laughs> right. <laughs> also, it's funny that our last episode was about cats and how we're all alley cats. And apparently, we are all alley cats, and Joe is an alley cat, too. Yeah. No, Joe's a therapy cat. Also, dark twist, they killed that cat. Yeah, that was a little confusing, because <laughs> in the end, Terry does catch them. And uh, there's a cat and a man who come to the soul world, except for the cat's body does not come with them, because only 22 and Joe come with them. Mm-hmm. And then you see uh, the soul cat on the conveyor belt, yep. except then later the cat's totally alive and fine. So. Well, I don't think so. I'm, you think it's I'm, a different cat? Well, no, it's the same cat, but like, that's some dement- dementor craziness there. It's he's, an undead cat. It's an, he's not undead. He's just living without a soul. Like he's been, had his soul sucked out by the dementors. And, you know, you can't tell because he's a cat. Right. And cats you are just like, blah. Anyways. So that's like maybe the But one. I guarantee that cat has no soul now and is probably right. the devil. I don't right. Know. I don't know. That's probably the one like little continuity thing that we were like, wait a minute. The cat died? That cat didn't do anything. Uh-huh. Poor cat. <laughs> So that's what the sequel is going to be about, about this rampaging soulless cast, yeah. probably. <laughs> uh, so was there anything else you didn't like about this movie? Yeah, so obviously we are full of praise for this movie. Very few problems with it. One thing um, that's not, I, I don't think it's fair of me to call it a flaw, but one thing I was kind of hoping for at the end was Joe, because he's a teacher. I was hoping he'd find that like his real passion in life was not being a jazz musician as much, but being a teacher. Mm-hmm. Because he has that great moment, well, really, it's 22 in his body, mm-hmm. but he has that great moment when he's talking to his student, Connie, and she wants to drop out of band because I think she's just a little embarrassed about playing the trombone or something like that. Mm-hmm. But she really does love the trombone, uh, and he manages to talk to her and through 22 and convince her that she should keep playing. Um, and, uh, yeah, and also at the beginning when he's, like, talking to her, his students and it's so, like, passionate i feel like he's a really good teacher and indeed the whole movie is him being not always a great mentor but ultimately being a really good mentor 
for 22, which is exactly what a teacher does. Um, so that's what I kind of, and especially as a teacher, I sort of took away that that's sort of what this was all about, like Joe learning that he's not just a musician, not just love jazz, but he also loves students. He loves people and he loves teaching and mentoring people. And that's what he's got a real passion for. And the Jerry's compliment him on how good of a mentor he is for that and how inspiring he was, which is exactly what a teacher is supposed to do. So I was hoping that there'd be a little more acknowledgement of that. Like he'd go back and be like really excited about going back to school and continuing that good work, uh, mm -hmm. which there's not. It ends on a little bit, a little short of that, which I think probably he still does, but I was kind of hoping for that. And I guess it's probably fair that it didn't go that direction simply because they are insisting that there is not a single purpose to your life. And his purpose in life is not teaching any more than it is jazz, of course, mm -hmm. but it is one of his passions and something he's much better at and is more important to him than I think he realizes at the beginning when he really just wants to, he's only doing the middle school teaching thing until he can become a music, a famous musician, mm -hmm. which is what he wants to do. And I think at the end, we don't get to see if he goes back to the school. I assume he does. I would have liked to have seen him go back to the school. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure he does. And that's what reminded me of Cars 3, coming back around to that from earlier. Uh, Cars 3 is just fine. It's not a great movie, I would say. It's fair. Uh, but one of the lessons of that movie is uh, Lightning McQueen's gotten old. He's not as fast of a racer anymore. He's losing to the young cars. And what he discovers in that is that winning and, and being the best at something is not always the only thing to live for, but being a mentor and being a teacher uh, can also be an extremely fulfilling, maybe an that's even true. more fulfilling meaning to life. Uh, and that's what he, he ends up mentoring a young car uh, mm -hmm. and getting a lot of meaning out of that. And that's the thing I really liked about that movie, even though it wasn't as good as the first one, that he learned the power of that. And I don't think we have enough stories like that. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of looking for that. And I'm so I'm aware Pixar knows that message and believes in that message. So I was sort of looking for a little more clear message about the joy of teaching and him discovering that. And it wasn't quite as clear as I would have liked it to been, but maybe that's for the best because they're trying to avoid the whole one and only purpose thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think it's just, uh, it's sort of open-ended, right? Mm -hmm. um, so at the end, Joe gets a, a new chance to live again because Jerry recognizes that um, he did something that no one else could do, which is give 22, help 22 find her spark. And so they... Jerry gives Joe another chance to live and they have to trick Terry yep. in order to get they that to They just move happen. one of the little magic light beads on the magic light abacus. After distracting Terry. <laughs> uh, so that it works out. Yep. And so then uh, Joe just kind of steps out into his sort of new lease on life and the world is full of possibilities and it's beautiful and wonderful and, you know, I guess it's open-ended because then you could imagine that he could do anything and you could imagine maybe yourself in that position mm -hmm. um, which I think is a, a really big part of stories mm -hmm. in general absolutely um, learning to walk in someone else's shoes and learning the lessons that they learn along the way absolutely that's the best thing about stories I think end of the story middle school teacher is doing the Lord's work yes absolutely we definitely believe that and I love one of the great little details is it opens on the you know Disney music Disney castle at the beginning like all oh, Disney yeah, movies I do forgot. and instead of the normal uh, when you wish upon a star, it's Joe's middle school band very terribly, discordantly off-key playing it. <laughs> it's just so good because that's exactly what a middle school band sounds it's, like. It's a good intro. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And also shows you why he would be so sick of that and want to get out of it and go be a great musician and stuff, even though it's a place that he's really important into. Mm -hmm. Particularly because his students don't necessarily have the uh, 
enthusiasm for music that he does and he he wishes that they all did so it's his job to sort of impart that enthusiasm Mm -hmm. to them and boy do i sympathize with that (laughs) as a teacher who's very passionate about my subject uh and have some students who are but most students who aren't Uh i certainly sympathize with that yep and so that's your your job to sort of impart that enthusiasm and that zest for your your subject Mm -hmm. and then the only other criticism i would make and it's just a very broad one is that it's such a complex, bizarre story. I think there are moments where it's a little muddy and a little hard to follow and stuff like that, but only just a tiny bit. Like, And, I mean, you'd have to be remarkably brilliant writers um, to make this, like, the clearest movie ever with such a complex, challenging plot. So that's only a very, very tiny quibble. The only thing that I didn't like about this movie is that in the preview, there's a scene where Joe asks 22, uh, what do you want to be known for? And 22 goes, I don't know, maybe doing this fun cowboy dance. Uh, And that was not in the movie. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, that's a pretty early uh, trailer from quite a while ago. I'm curious if the story changed a little bit or the message changed a little bit. Could be. Because the whole thing about what do you want to be remembered for, that's not really an emphasis in... That's true. In the movie mm-hmm. so much. A, a little bit. Joe would say. Yeah, it, it's not at all surprising that Joe would say that, but he never really says anything or, you know, he doesn't want to do jazz because he wants to be remembered as a great jazz player. No. He wants to do jazz because jazz is in his soul. Mm-hmm. In his soul. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, there we go. Well, that seems like a good place to sort of sum up what did we think about this movie overall it's beautiful and gorgeous poetic it's like jazz and i suppose the whole thing about the messiness of it it sort of is jazz right it's messy bizarre Mm -hmm. strange that's what jazz is but it's also beautiful Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's and jazz is very experiential right really good improvisational jazz is something you experience live only once Uh, and then that particular song exactly that way is never played again Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what this is about this is a movie about uh living to the full living experiencing life enjoying delicious pizza and pecan pie there's another little moment where he's like eating pecan pie in a diner mm-hmm. and that's like a great memory of his or and enjoying connection with people like the connections he makes with his student connie and with 22 and with his mom and with his friends at the barber shop uh yeah just the experience of living experiencing the light and the music and the leaves and the food and the people um that's what life's about i think it's a a uniquely beautiful and poignant film uh, that I think anyone can sort of enjoy and get behind. And it has a really, really wonderful message about life that I think we could all use, mm-hmm. that we definitely all needed by the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I hope it uh, will continue to entertain and teach people for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope lots of people see it on Disney Plus, and I hope everybody appreciates it and and engages with it and doesn't just write it off as weird. It's definitely a movie with a lot of soul. Absolutely. Oh, David Diggs. We can't forget David oh, Diggs. Oh, I forgot about David Diggs. So if you love He's Hamilton so like we do, David Diggs, the original Lafayette, <laughs> uh, the original Thomas Jefferson. Lafayette! Uh, is Has a cameo in here. He's uh, one of the neighborhood people that Joe knows. He's at the barber shop, kind of razzing on Joe. Uh, like, nah, Joe's not going to get a shot with Dorothea Williams. Like, he could never do that. He's kind of like his, I think Wikipedia described him as the neighborhood frenemy of Joe. <laughs> um, and then the best part is that uh, after 22 kind of puts uh, David Diggs' character in his place by saying, uh, he's just insecure about his own life, so he's razzing on you. And then everybody kind of laughs at him and he leaves. 
And then he goes outside, and Terry, who's just around hunting Joe and 22, accidentally captures him in, like, an abstract soul void, and he's, like, freaking out. And Terry's <laughs> like, oh, sorry, let's just pretend this didn't happen. <laughs> that was a really funny scene. <laughs> and then just... That scene just ends with David Diggs, like, dropped on the sidewalk again, and he's just like, what just happened? Where was I? <laughs> yeah, so that was another another great part, and if you're a David Diggs fan, definitely look out for that. Yep. So, what do we think? Does Sold get the AP stamp of approval? Absolutely. I'd say it's absolutely AP approved. So, thank you so much for listening to our second episode. Yeah. I think we'd like to just open up suggestions, like a little suggestion box, if anybody has a movie or musical or even a book or an album or song or anything really pop culture related that you think we would enjoy and maybe would like to hear us review um i think if you're listening to this you probably know how to get into contact with us so uh please we welcome unless your... we become famous and it's the future <laughs> right unless that <laughs> but uh please we welcome your suggestions and um thanks again for tuning in and hearing us talk about some stuff we love absolutely and now one last time, for those of you who've been counting the number of times we said this, it's, it's teary, teary time. time.